Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 411. Yeah. Um, 411. 411. That's information here. There you yeah. go. You get your info <laughs> right here on the 411. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're recording live on April the 16th. Um, for those of you who celebrate Easter, a happy Easter week. That's uh, in celebration coming this weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, also next week. Uh, we will be in Seattle for Retail Loco. So, hey, we're just a week away now. So, Exciting times, lots of great speakers. We just added a whole like connected car panel that I'm excited about for those coming out on the retail tour. Uh, we're starting off the tour at the Seattle Mariners Stadium. They're going to walk us through all their technology and how they're using beacons in the stadium and how they're using the Jumbotron in different ways for fan engagement and all kinds of craziness. So yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Go to retaillo.co, retaillo.co if you don't have your ticket yet, uh, but we'll be there in Seattle next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I've got two great panels that I'm um, going to be leading. And so um, I'm just I'm excited about all of our awesome speakers that are going to be there. And um, if you're in the area or can make it, please come out. It'll be a great couple days. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we jump right into it? we got three industry news stories this week, three member news stories this week. No guests. Uh, we're saving all the guests for next week. In fact, I'm recording a guest interview uh, later this week that we'll, uh, we'll include in a future episode. But um, uh, next week, we're going to try and do some sort of mashup of live something from the conference, I guess. We'll do a bunch of small interviews of, of speakers and different things and capture some, I don't know, Instagram stories, whatever the kids do these days. Yeah, I was going to say that, actually. We've been really, like, you know, kind of ramping it up on Instagram. So if you're on there, follow us, and um, we'll try to add, like, some really good, valuable um, clips and kind of tidbits over the next, you know, those couple of days while we're there if you can't make it, but yeah, you know, join us there. in. <laughs> you're there in person. All right, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, so I was like really surprised by the story and I think this is pretty cool. Goodwill, yes, the donation thrift store, you know, the one that gives back by, you know, giving people jobs and giving them job training and, you know, working with veterans and, and people who have been unemployed or having tr trouble finding work. Um, they are, you know, trying to make a move into the digital world. So, um, you know, imagine like being able to have the benefits of shopping at a Goodwill and like, you know, if you're thrifty or, you know, if you're like reuse, you know, don't buy new. If that's kind of your concept, this might be right up your alley and you won't even have to smell the kind of like funky smell that you, you get when you walk into a Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really cool. They've been working with price.com. Um, focusing on like their New York, New Jersey area stores, and they are creating like this browser add-on, right? So it's like a Chrome browser extension, like a plugin. You get it, and you can get an alert when you're shopping on Jet.com or Amazon.com that there is a used version available to ship via Goodwill. So you're looking for, you know, like a bike or you know, I don't know, a piece of furniture or whatever it may be. That's you know, kind of like those you know niche products. It's like, hey, we've got this, and it's it's uh, you know it's used, and we can ship it to you. Um, so you know they're kind of trying to like battle some really big people in the industry. Um, you know, this kind of reminded me of of a plugin that I use called Honey. And so whenever I'm shopping mm -hmm. online, 
it'll give me an alert and I'll be like, check to see if there's any coupons, you know, and it saves me a couple bucks here and there. So I like it. It's nice. It's easy. I don't have to think about it or like go search for a coupon code. Um, it does it all for me. So, you know, they, what is interesting about this whole story is that, um, this article was talking about how like Americans are just like donating more and more stuff and like just getting rid of stuff. It's like this whole new wave of, you know, Netflix, Marie Kondo tidying up stuff. Like everybody's just getting rid of stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, I think giving them a lot more in inventory and kind of like amping that up more than they had been. Um, they're not thinking this is going to affect the in-store shopping. And I wouldn't think so either. I mean, you know, I think it's a likely a different purchaser and likely somebody who may not be like, you know, traditionally walking in a, in a Goodwill. I have a Goodwill right around the corner from my office. So like randomly, you know, probably two or three times a year, I just like kind of run in and see if there's anything like can't miss. <laughs> Usually there's not, but sometimes you find something really cool. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like this idea. I think this is like so smart. I love that Goodwill, something that is like such an old school, you know, you think of something not, tech savvy, not, you know, innovative is trying to iterate here. And I think that's really, really great. Um, you know, the one thing I thought of is like, maybe there's a way that Goodwill could provide, um, a way to connect buyers and sellers or donators, right? Like, so they can take a portion of the proceeds by just making that connection. Um, so it's like, you know, I have this, I want this, like here's, you know, here's two people. And then they just like get a percentage of yeah. of the, you know, the Venmo or whatever. But I think that's like a good opportunity for them. And I like the direction this is going. So um, I definitely want to try this out and see, you know, they did say that inventory is a little bit like the challenge is that the inventory is not ample, right? Like, yeah, more people are donating, but it's not, it's not like they've got, you know, a hundred mountain bikes like sitting around waiting to be mm -hmm. sold online. So it's probably like for more niche products. And I don't know if you're in New York or New Jersey and, you're in the market for something, add this plug into your, to your Chrome browser and, uh, see how it works. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I think number one, um, you know, of all people like Goodwill, like great on them, but like anybody who can find a way to steal business away from Amazon is a good, like, it like blows my mind, right? That it's Goodwill. That's like, Hey, you know, if someone's browsing on Amazon and they're looking for something here and we have a used version of it, you know, like, well, you know, just why don't you come over here and get it? I like it. Right. I like that. I like, that's super brilliant and cool and cheeky and, and awesome. So, uh, I love that part of it. Um, you know, I hope that it's the kind of thing as, uh, as it kind of gets, uh, more entrenched out there that they can find a way to do this in other browsers, uh, besides just Chrome. Um, I think that would be really neat. Um, but I love the simplicity of it. Right. And, and I'm with you on, on, on the idea of, you know, linking, uh, people who have goods to donate to people who are seeking those goods up in a marketplace, maybe something like even like a Zarly could be repurposed locally. Right. Um, or, you know, do some kind of partnership with them to create some version of that, uh, to make that happen. Right. Because I, I think there is something about that peer to peer location piece, uh, in neighborhoods. And I'm sure there's even platforms out there who already have attempted to do that, but maybe haven't partnered with a big brand like Goodwill. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one at your panel uh, on Thursday next week, uh, Michelle Eaton from Savers Value Village uh, will be on that panel. So maybe she'll have something to say about this type of thing, right? Because, you mm -hmm. know, these guys are always trying to find ways to, you know, to be innovative. And, uh, 
and you know uh, Savers Valley Village is based there in Seattle so um, they were actually at the conference last year as well so and it's interesting like I find these types of organizations I know um, I was looking at the attendees for next week even the YMCA people are, are going to be there next week as well so like I'm, I'm always interested to see the mashups of partnerships between public private you know um you know sort of uh, social oriented for profit non yeah for profit <laughs> non-profit social enter enterprises and how we can use technology to kind of enable all of that one of the things i'm, I'm super excited about uh next week is uh near the end of the conference i think it's shortly after your panel actually on thursday uh this guy named jonathan kumar uh is going to be there and we talked about this uh story briefly um from uh, Samaritan, if you remember, we, we covered this Samaritan story where they um, were, were working with Gimbal and they're giving beacons out to uh, homeless people uh, and then have an app platform and then basically as you go by you get a push notification about the whole story, the life story of that person on the street uh, and then you can make donations. So they're actually going to come and present that at, at Retail Loco, the whole platform, how it works and, and fingers crossed we may even have one of the beacon holders uh, you know, um, who's benefiting from this there to kind of share his or her story as well. So I'm excited about that because for me, it's like technology is one thing, but if you can take this technology and do real great things and good things with it and ultimately create, you know, connections between people, um, that's the real, the real benefit. So yeah, I love this story. It's great. For sure. Okay. Second story, uh, nothing to do with uh, the you know giving back or the social good or any of that kind of stuff. This is about big money sp spending at, at Coachella. Uh, so Bose uh, has teamed up uh, with uh, Coachella and they've created uh, some interesting, uh, they're calling this uh, the first augmented audio reality experience for festival goers. $200 pairs of sunglasses, people, that you can buy at the merchandise tents at Coachella. $200 sunglasses, people, that you can buy at the, at the merchandise tents there. So these are, these are Bose-powered uh, sunglasses uh, that create an AR experience. So they have Bluetooth connections and miniature speakers built into them. And while you're kind of walking around Coachella with your funky glasses on, uh, you can get exclusive audio content, festival updates, and basically you can look around you and see AR experiences and then have audio cues pumped in about them through the Bose, um, you know, uh, speakers and technology that's in there. So, you know, I don't not like this story, but I'm not super excited about this, right? Because I think it's so limited in, in the use case around this. Um, you know, how many of these are you going to sell? Um, yes, people who go to Coachella probably have a higher disposable income than, you know, the average person out there. And I'm sure people are going to buy this. Um, but I don't see this kind of being a mass market thing beyond festivals like that, right? That you can kind of take out into, into the real world and start to create experiences. Uh, for people around it. So um, if you're a regular festival goer, uh, you know, go to lots of concerts and go to a lot of festivals and all of that, and, and they can create a whole market around that, then yes, I, you know, I see value around this. But uh, if it's something that is a one-time use case, um, you know, just at Coachella, I don't know. So. I'm, I'm with you on that. So the, this story kind of reminds me of... Um, 
uh, I can't remember what it's called. There's a, a term for it, but you like go to this like silent rave, right? Maybe that's what it's called, a silent rave. And silent everybody disco. gets a pair of headphones, and then you are all listening to different things, and like everybody's wearing headphones, and they're all listening to different things, and they're like dancing around to whatever they're listening to. Um, which I find really odd because generally when you go to like a rave or a dance or a festival or some, you know, a concert, I mean, you're going to be with other people, right? Like that's kind of the point. And so when you isolate yourself through these experiences, I feel like it's kind of, I don't know, it's abnormal to me. It's antisocial to me. And I don't know, maybe it's just my social nature that it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw these sunglasses at a wheels up party, uh, that they had, you know, during Super Bowl here in Atlanta. And, you know, for me as well, like the whole idea of, you know, sunglasses with built-in speakers, like, is, you know, I want to take off my sunglasses and put them on. I want to take off my headphones and, you know, yeah. and not have to have them both like linked. Um, they are separate and different use cases, so they don't necessarily need to always be together. Now, where I will say that I think that this could potentially have some level of like play or you know applicability is something like a pokemon go right like you've got you know your phone you have this experience and if you can link those things together with the audio and all of that like maybe that makes sense um you know in the area where i live in atlanta there's like a little historic kind of downtown part that's small and it is on the weekends you know especially when it's nice outside it is swamped still with these like you know, gamers that are out playing, I'm, I don't know if it's Pokemon or if it's something else at this point, but like whatever it is, they're out there and they're on their phones. So, you know, I think that there's like an opportunity maybe for like cities trying to kind of drive, you know, more uh, tourism into these like different areas to say like, hey, come and rent these, you know, and do this experience or hey, you know, come and do this here um, and putting those things there. Like, I think there's a way to spin it, but I think when you're doing it around like a specific festival or event or a concert, like Mm -hmm. you're not trying to have a separate experience. You're trying to have that experience, you know, like that's sort of what I think the point of Coachella is, is like experiencing all that's going on and taking in the music and doing it with, you know, the community around you. So yeah, that's my take. I'm with you, right? So, so I get that, right? It's a unique experience. It's it, it, it's probably something that you know. I'm sure there's a group of people who do that every year, and then there's a group of people who it's like a one time you know thing that they want to be there and and see what that's all about. And um and and so I can see this, like I said, playing out you know in that environment. It, yeah, at other festivals, even at th- something like South by Southwest, I could see this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in different ways where you have audio cues of content and what you're looking at and popping up, you know, visual displays and, and different types of things. But as a mass market product, no. I, I mean, I just don't see how, how this plays into it. I mean, and a lot of it, like if you look at just, you know, regular VR glasses and things like that, they just haven't hit a home run yet, right? So, um, yeah. you know, and this is even further out there. But anyhow, there you go. Check it out if you're going to be at Coachella. Go get your Bose AR, you know, glasses and uh, and contact us and tell us about the experience. There you go. Yeah, drop your drop your two hundred dollars. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving from Coachella to Holland. Um, I don't know what you think of when you think of Holland, but uh, maybe Jeez. bikes. Is, bikes is something that you think of. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, bikes is the story, right? So they have like bicycle only streets, bicycle parking, dedicated bike lanes, dedicated tunnels and bridges just for the bikes. 
And there's um, 60% of trips that are taken in the city of Utrecht um, to the city center there are taken on a bike. 60%. That is, like, insane to me. But, you know, they're encouraging people to get out, get moving. Um, Obviously, like, stay moving, health, fitness, probably wonderful for the air that they breathe as well, like lower emissions, all the things that are positive about that. But um, they have the largest bike lot there, and it's expected to hold 33,000 bikes by 2020. That's, like, crazy to me. I mean, how do you even park 33,000 bikes? Like, if you're parking in a parking lot with 33,000 bikes, I mean, are you walking, like, crazy Mm. far? I need to see this. Anyways, they have been testing this new type of infrastructure, right, in this city. Um, And it's actually really cool. So they have these things that are electronic kiosks. And they're pretty much, I guess I would liken them, I haven't seen a picture, but I'm thinking in my mind, I'm imagining them as like these, you know, digital out-of-home signs um, that are posted up uh, like along along the, the road where the cyclists are, are commuting. And it's, they have like, they have this light uh, system there that's basically alerting the cyclists, are they going to make this next red light or not? Apparently, like stopping at a red light when you're when you're you know biking into the city is kind of a pain in the butt because you got to stop and you know put your leg down and then start up again and get mm-hmm. your movement going. So what they are doing is trying to help people catch a series of green lights without having to have a stop. So these posts will kind of dictate to your you know they'll they'll detect that you're riding by and it's going to base it on your speed if you're going to make this light or not. So if you're too fast, it's going to show you a tortoise. Um, I guess to slow down, if you're going too slow, it's going to show you, uh, what is it? A cartoon rabbit, um, speed up and a thumbs up means that you are traveling at the exact speed that you need to. Um, and when there's too much traffic, they'll show you a cow, which is meant to symbolize, uh, like a herd of cattle blocking traffic. So that means that there's traffic and you just really can't do anything about it. You're going to have to stop regardless. Um, so I think that's funny. I mean, I was thinking of it backwards. Like if I was going too slow, I feel like they would like show me the tortoise. Like, hey, you're slow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, it's uh, this design firm is called Spring Lab, and they are calling the kiosks flow. Ugh. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to even go there, but not my favorite name. I mean, I get it, like traffic flow, um, but then I also think of like, you know, woman stuff flow. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about all this. So regulating speed, they keep the bikes moving. Right. Um, and this is also able to communicate with traffic symbols. So when it's possible, they can turn the lights green, which I think is pretty cool as well. Um, and so they're testing this out at a very dangerous intersection where apparently there's like a lot of cycle accidents, which is awful, um, to help prevent that. Um, and then they're going to roll it out in Eidhoven and Antwerp, um, they're installing some prototypes there in the coming weeks. So, I mean, I think this is cool. I love that they're using something to, you know, one, it's almost like gamifying traffic, but making it work to everybody's advantage. Um, you know, it's making the roads a little bit safer for everybody on them and, you know, keeping things moving, I think is always a big, big benefit there. So, um, besides the name of the company, I think this is like a really great, Oh, well, not the company, but the product. I think this is a really great, uh, a really great thing that they're doing. Um, I'd love to also see, like, I think that the longer term, you know, they can think of things like, you know, city planning and data and, and traffic and all of those things that they have and like how to reroute and all that jazz. But, um, 
yeah, it's pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, um, I spent a lot of time over in Holland. Uh, obviously, we have our LBMA Amsterdam chapter there. Uh, I was in Utrecht uh, last year for a different conference. And, um, you know, the one thing that always blows my mind anytime I'm over there, whether it's in Amsterdam or Utrecht or, you know, wherever, is is the sheer number of people who ride bicycles. I mean, it's... I, I, somebody told me, like, like in some cities, it's, it's three to one, two to one in terms of bicycle ownership. Uh, to people um, there's just so many bicycles and everybody rides everywhere and unless you're like you know grew up in it like like I wouldn't you know how like you say like you, people say like I wouldn't go drive in like you know in, in a big city like Paris or Delhi or you know Mexico City or whatever just because you know like traffic is, is, is crazy I wouldn't ri- try to ride a bike in Holland like it's just people <laughs> people grow up with it and they're like cruising at like high speed and they just know how to cut in and out and like you know where to like it, it's crazy like i feel I'd like i'd be terrified i feel like i'd be killed <laughs> like honestly like um but um here here you have technology that's kind of inspired by that to try and make that even more efficient than what it already is and i love the interse- the integration to the traffic uh, light system to be able to change that if they can um I think that makes sense. You know, the one thing as I'm listening to you talk about this story is, is I'm thinking about other conversations I've had around connected cars and, and self-driving cars. And, you know, part of what they talk about is efficiencies in traffic flow, uh, you know, as we move to self-driving cars in particular, uh, as, you know, if an entire, you know, street is just full of self-driving cars, the cars are actually talking to each other in a machine-to-machine type of setting. Um, and and able to control the flow by maintaining you know kind of consistent distance between vehicles and and all of that so that you don't have some people going too fast or too slow or you know you know braking at the wrong time or whatever the case might be and that's what causes a lot of traffic jams is just people aren't all driving at the same consistency right um, and so I see the same kind of thing here with bicycles, um, you know, that ultimately we're trying to get to with, you know, with, with the cars that we're driving. So um, I like it. I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's neat. I'm glad they're rolling it out to multiple cities to, to kind of see what the feedback is. And um, yeah, and maybe, maybe like, you know, I can, I can hop on a, uh, a bike at some point next time I'm over there and uh, <laughs> somebody can show me how to, how to use this thing. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. That's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, We are going to shift over to our member news now. uh, And I will kick this off with our first story about Amazon Go. Now, we're heading to Seattle next week, as we've said, for Retail Loco. The Amazon Go uh, store, the the very first store is right there. Um, We may drop in to see that as part of the retail tour. but the interesting story that came out this week is, uh, or just last week actually, is that they are now going to no longer be just cashless, which is the whole premise of Amazon Go stores <laughs> is that there, you know, there's no staffing, you know, there's no people and there's no, uh, you know, you walk in and you walk out and everything's just charged to your, uh, your mobile wallet. Well, uh, apparently they will now be uh, starting to accept cash like good old hard currency cash 
Um, and uh, so they uh, they haven't announced any timing as to when this is going to happen. They haven't announced whether it's going to be people there taking the cash and making change, or they're going to do this with some kind of, you know, put your cash into a vending machine style thing, and then you'll, your change will pop out. I don't know. Um, but the point is, they're going to start taking cash. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and a lot of this, this is, this is coming from them uh, responding to uh, pushback from uh, various governments. Uh, I, I know in particular, um, Philadelphia has banned uh, any stores that don't accept cash. Uh, New Jersey followed suit around that as well. New York and Chicago apparently are considering this as well. And, 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 and so here's my reaction to this. I'm going to go completely uh, pro-Amazon on this because you know what? If you want to shop at an Amazon Go store and it's all about technology and, and efficiency and all of that, get a friggin' mobile wallet and, and do it, right? You know what? If you want to pay cash, you go to 7-Eleven, you know, or go somewhere else and, and, and pay cash, right? And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I don't understand why we were pushing back on this and and you know i don't think every store needs to be universal to everybody you know in terms of access you know by being able to pay with cash you know let's go the other side of it let's let's talk about people who have um you know disabilities of some sort you know like visual uh, impairment or things like that that you know you know yes yes our money has you know um braille and different things on it but if these people could just use a mobile wallet and walk into a store, you know, and and pick up a bunch of items and then walk out and it's just charged to them. They don't have to go through, you know, that that extra frustration of dealing with, you know, physical money. Um, we, why can't we all get along with that? Like, I, I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, or choose somewhere else to shop like that. That's kind of what I have to say about it. But anyhow, Amazon is caving to the uh, to the government. Uh, <laughs> push back here and, and, Spell accept out. Cash and, and accept cash now. So there you go. I mean, I get it. Like, I guess if they want to, I, I obviously it doesn't sound like they really have much of a choice if they wanted to remain in right. those cities, but I agree with you, you know, like not every store accepts American express or discover or like whatever credit card you have of choice. So if that's what they don't want to accept, then they shouldn't have to accept it. I mean, I don't know, I guess, I'm not. I'm not really sure how that how that works. Like, you don't you don't pay for cash with everything. Hardly anybody uses cash anymore, anyways. And it's yeah. dirty. Like, yeah. it's a it's a cleaner <laughs> experience. Stop sharing so many germs. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have a ton to add on it. I mean, it doesn't sound like they had a lot of uh, options. Rather, well, know, and like especially if they're trying accepted. to open three thousand stores by 2021. Like, it's you know, I guess that's putting a cramp in their expansion plans if they can't move into certain markets. You know, if they don't accept cash. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, if it's backlash just because it's Amazon or if it was, like, a smaller business or something like parking and you can only pay with a credit card. Are they going to say, like, oh, sorry, you have to accept cash, you know? Like, there's times where yeah. you go to the store and they're, like, this lane credit card only. Well, that's what you got to pay with, you know? I don't know. There you go. All right. All right. Moving on to another retail story, though. Um, a story about a story is Macy's has launched something called Story. So... It's called Story at Macy's, and basically it's like this narrative approach that they're having to a store within a store, um, trying to draw more people into their, you know, physical location. Um, now, they've launched this um, on Mild Stomping Grounds in Center City, Philadelphia, 
And what they're doing is like in this store, you know, I don't know how many square feet it is, but let's just say it's like, you know, a good like square in the middle of, of you know, one of the, the sales floors inside of Macy's. And they've got about 400 different products, like random stuff, like unicorn glitter and this and that, like tchotchkes and books and, <laughs> you know, all random stuff. And the theme, the first theme that they've rolled out is um, it's called Color. So Macy's actually acquired a company which was based in New York City called Story. And the concept is that this store within a store, it changes what items it carries on a regular basis. Like every few weeks for Macy's, it's going to be about every two months. Um, and then they kind of throw things in there. So the, the story is color. They have things from Crayola. Crayola will come and host a workshop for kids where they can color with like fabric markers on their own patches that they sell. You know, these kids like Levi's jean jackets and t-shirts that they can customize and you know so it's like a workshop so it's kind of an experience type of a thing um there's not an online shopping option for this particular area uh but they're kind of viewing it as like this this living and breathing live instagram feed right like if you were to scroll through instagram or scroll through like some of the you know random stories that you may look at from time to time um you know they're like this is what it is it's like random stuff that all we can somehow fit into this theme of color or you know who knows what else it's going to be in the future but they said that you know the area around um philadelphia and center city is like really growing in, in a younger demographic and so obviously a lot of those shoppers are probably online but they want to have something to lure them into the store so something that's changing and experiential is what they're looking to do um I mean, they're doing this, let's say, they just launched this like a week or so ago in 36 stores across 15 states. Um, you know, I think this is, I think it's cool. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I don't really see a ton of technology to it. But I, I kind of like the idea of them saying like, hey, how can we stay relevant? How can we continue to have people come into the store? How can we provide an experience? Um, you know, as a, as a mom, I think about things like, Hey, what, you know, what's free to do that can entertain my kids like on a given day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where can the au pair take them or where can I take them on the weekends? Like there's like a Home Depot building thing, you know, you go build some yeah. little like birdhouse Did that all and the it's time. free. Yeah. It's like, it's awesome. It's free. So this type of stuff I think is what gets people involved. Maybe not that younger demographic they're talking about, but you know, coming in and doing something, but you know, also like if, if you're talking about a younger demographic, a lot of times you don't have a lot of money to spend. So these lighter items that they could spend money on and then they get like this little experience that's kind of for free and packaged into it. Um, you know, maybe they have an impulse buy within the regular store at Macy's as well. You know, I think it's a positive spin on things. I think it's fresh new take on it. Like I said, there's no technology involved really, but I think they're doing the right thing in terms of trying to stay relevant. So I like this story. Yeah, I mean, story, story. <laughs> I think cocoa is probably good for some unicorn snot glitter gel. No. Oh Lord, yeah, probably, <laughs> but it'll end up in everything. <laughs> um, yeah, so 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 I like this, right? I mean, for me, this is all about relevance, right? And foot traffic and creating customer experience and turning the store back into a destination uh, for people to hang out and spend time in. Um, because this is, you know, as I say all the time, you know, if you're going to be in bricks and mortar retail, you need to be able to do something. You need to be able to create experiences for people that can't be, you know, replicated or something they can't buy on Amazon. 
um, right? So you can't go and buy this story experience, you know, in an environment like Amazon. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen it, right, like even here in Toronto, like, I don't know, like, like there's these, this group of people now, they just go around and all they do is they create these pop-up temporal, uh, like, Instagram uh, areas. Like, you know, here's, like, come take your photo in this field right now, you know, that's growing corn. Um, and everybody flocks out there and then the farmer gets upset because like 10,000 cars came and parked on his, you know, on his, on his field. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, they'll go somewhere else and they create these things, but they're destinations and people are going and while they're there, they might spend money on, you know, whatever, uh, is happening in that environment. And so I like that they're kind of capitalizing on this, you know, this trend. Uh, and I think people do especially you know that millennial demographic the people who are kind of seeking you know those those posts um you know will go to these and you know go to these experiences and 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 try to you know sort of be part of the story if you will um you know it's i love that word story because when i think about brands and i think about story uh i think about coca-cola and you know they many years ago they kind of shifted their whole sort of marketing approach to be, you know, not about, you know, here's the TV commercial, here's Coke and, you know, hit you over the head with, you know, sort of brand impression stuff. They went to a whole different approach, which is, uh, you know, about story and, and helping people understand how Coca-Cola fits into their lives throughout their day and throughout their journey and throughout, you know, their experiences and how you can connect with other people, you know, share a Coke and this, that, and the other thing. It's all about this storyline. And, and I think in, in one way, while these are very short, you know, sort of minute bites of stories uh, and they kind of exist and then they, they're gone and then they're on to the next thing, it might be the way to approach story, you know, in, for, t- for today's culture, right? Which is all about bite-sized content. Uh, so I like it in that sense. And I like that it, it's about destination driving traffic to a location, um, to a store. So there you go. That was a long, long-winded yeah. answer. So, um, all right, our final uh, item uh, or story for this week is about Uber, and uh, I like this one. This this is Uber's launching something called uh, vouchers, Uber vouchers, and this is targeted at the B two B market. So it's a new product from them for businesses, for, uh, so businesses can offer discounted rides for customers or employees or whatever the case might be uh you can just go to uber.com forward slash vouchers uh to learn more about it but basically you can create as a business you can you you can create customized voucher campaigns and programs you can set a a budget you can set pickup and drop off locations you can establish a, a limited time availability for these vouchers uh you can tailor them around events corporate parties uh, you know, or different types of things. You can hand them out to clients uh, in di- for, for different things as well. Um, and, and you can um, you can send the vouchers through email, social media, or mobile messaging. So they've enabled kind of the distribution of vouchers uh, across multiple platforms there. Um, yeah, and, and even though you can set a budget, you, you actually only get charged for the actual rides that people redeem. Uh, which is cool too. So it's not like you're out a, uh, a bunch of cash as a, as a company. Um, and when a rider goes to redeem a voucher, it gets automatically en- entered into the payment section of their Uber app uh, until it expires. So it sits there as a credit essentially, um, you know, once redeemed. Um, yeah, I like it. Pretty simple, but pretty, uh, pretty cool. And, you know, good timing as they're about to uh, go to their IPO. So. 
Yeah, I like this as well. I think it's smart. Um, you know, I think that they're just like trying to have another touch point and way that people can plug this in. Um, I know I got a nice like, you know, gift card from from a C for Christmas for Uber, which was awesome. And I love that. Like, what a great gift, something that everybody will use, but something that, you know, a business can potentially control for their employees, you know, when they're on work travel or whatever it may be. This may be a great way to just kind of say, like, hey, we want you to take Uber and here's your vouchers. You don't have to, you know, come out of pocket or do an expense form because it's already here. Like, mm -hmm. let's take that off your plate. So I think there's a lot of opportunities um, within that and people would probably enjoy using that over, you know, other methods <laughs> that they have to do. Um, I mean, I know doing like expense reports from a business perspective is a pain. So if they can just direct all of that, there you go, you know. Yeah, and and I like it. and I like that. While like ne this is now commercially available, like they tested this back uh, last at the end of last year with like a hundred partners, including like Live Nation and Sprint and TGI Fridays and Westfield uh, shopping malls and a bunch of others were playing around with this, and it obviously seemed to really work. So and take off. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Check it out, Uber vouchers uh, for your business uh, today. Uh, we'll see what Lyft comes up with. <laughs> so that's our show uh you've been listening to episode number 411 getting the 411 uh the info on location and um three industry news stories three member news stories if you have story ideas if you have feedback criticism you know anything that you'd like to share with us all of our contact information is easily found in social media or at the end of this uh, show on the video uh, and uh, if you uh, can get to Seattle, please do next week. Uh, if you're already there, come to Retail Loco. Just go to retaillo.co and get your ticket today. Uh, if you're a retailer or brand and you want to come check it out, we have lots of free passes for, for client-side people. Uh, just reach out to me uh, or Abriana. We can hook you up with that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week live from Retail Loco with uh, all kinds of things. And follow us on Instagram in particular if you want live content. So, uh, yeah. We'll be back next week with 412. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.